It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Live from Buffalo Wild Wings. Touchdown, Denver! This is a special edition of Broncos Country Tonight. Presented by Betfred Sports. Never miss a bet with Betfred Sports. Now, Ryan Edwards and Benjamin Albright. On KOA, the official home of the Broncos. Broncos Country Tonight, Ryan Edwards, Benjamin Albright, live from Buffalo Wild Wings here in Aurora. Havana Gardens, come on down, say hi to us. 303 713 is our text line. We'll get back to some of your reaction to the Broncos' loss to the Las Vegas Raiders, 3-7 and seven now on the season. Stream us on the iHeartRadio app, and while you're doing that, you can leave us messages on the talkback like this one. I think every time the Broncos get a 3-and-out, they should be forced to eat carrot cake as punishment. Bro, have you ever tried carrot cake? <laughs> that's not a punishment that's not that a punishment is uh, that might be too severe that is a severe punishment I, I don't know that uh, cruel and inhumane punishment like that should be uh, should be something that we subject people to just for going throwing out I you know that that kind of stuff should should be removed it should be um, yeah it should be uh, reserved for the people at Guantanamo Bay okay. eating carrot cake that is I completely disagree but I think we can, once again, head out to the KOA Centura Health Hotline and bring on an expert in many things, maybe even in carrot cake, and that is the one and only Tim Jenkins, our quarterback whisperer, at T Jenkins Elite on Twitter. You can check out his YouTube channel, All Things QB. In fact, I invite you to like, comment, and subscribe for the algorithm. Tim, carrot cake, yes or no? Yeah, it's been out on carrot cake. Like, that's a shocker to me. I'm a big carrot cake guy. Me too. No. Nope. Can't do it. Won't do it. Brilliance. Can't win with him. Won't win with him. Absolute, absolute brilliance every single time. There's a reason why he is the guy we go to in all if situations I wanted to, If in I life. wanted a garden in my cake, you know, I would just order a salad. <laughs> you, would, you wouldn't order a salad. I, I would, when, I'm, when I'm eating Look cake. Look at you. You need to order salad. Oh, that's what I'm saying. I, as, as, as a cake expert. All right, as a, as a self-styled cake expert. When I want cake, I want cake. If yeah. I wanted salad, I would, you know, Listen, convert the, to veganism like Ryan and then get a salad. The show isn't about you. This is about Tim right now. Tim is our guest, and Tim is right. Tim is wrong. Okay, Tim, uh, it's Hi. good to chat with you, my friend. How are you tonight? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. All right, buddy. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and dive into this game. We have a new play caller, new sequencer in Clint Kubiak. How much different did it look, in your opinion, when you went back and watched it on the All-22? Yeah, I think it was exciting. Right? I think we uh, made the play caller switch and then drove right down the field and scored. So everybody starts thinking, man, we've got something. And then it kind of just stalled into more of what we've seen. And I think when you turn on the tape, like the unfortunate reality is it was kind of more of what we've seen this whole season, which is there's some good, right? There really is some good. And I think part of what's hard is we had such high expectations, so then when all of a sudden they don't reach 
those high expectations, we just have this, like, it's a huge letdown. They're still good on the tape, right? They're still Russell Wilson scrambling around on the first play of the game, finds a guy, that's exactly what you wanted to see. You know, they had the slant to, to Sutton that hit on that first drive. They had a bunch of quick game that looked good. But then also at the same time, you know, they kind of butchered my favorite concept. I always talk about Samurai, right, where there's the one deep post on one side, you have the deep over running from the other side. It's like my, my favorite concept in football, and we missed the deep over twice, right? So to me it's like those are the, the concerns that are still on tape where you sit there and you go, okay, this isn't exactly what we expected where you've got, you know, guys running wide open and we're not seeing them. So that was um, kind of the disappointing part was it didn't really matter, right, if it was Kubiak or Hackett calling it in. We're still missing some of the stuff that we've kind of been missing all year. Yeah, it, it felt good to to see an offense that didn't just feel like everything was difficult, though. They were getting the ball a lot quick. They, they, like you said, the quick game, which has never been Russ's strength, uh, was something that was working. Uh, the first half, it just felt like they could almost do no wrong there in the first half outside of handing the ball to Melvin Gordon at the goal line. Uh, and, and, and then in the second half, I, I, we, we got away from it, and we, we saw more of the same, a third quarter with no points. Uh, a fourth quarter that barely had any points, and, and, and given the game away at the end, it was a tale of two halves. It was the, uh, well, I'm not going to say it was the best of times, it was the worst of times, but it was the middling of times that felt better and then the worst of times. Yeah, I definitely think you're on to something, which is the first half was rolling. If you take away right some of the fumbles, it, it could have been really, really good. I think, you know, still, like you're saying, the quick game not being a strength, which then makes those easy things even harder, right, where it's like, hey, you know, if it's not our strength and it's something that's supposed to be kind of a drive starter, it makes that somewhat difficult. I do think there were, you know, some more good things in that, you know, you saw Corlin Sutton on a back shoulder fade and you saw Corlin Sutton on a slot takeoff that we hit both of those. You see where he kind of retreats a little bit and hits Kendall Hinton. So I think there was some was some good. In terms of the second half, yeah, I just think it was it was more of what kind of this Broncos offense felt like, where it wasn't terrible, right? There was no, like, clip that jumped out at you where you're like, man, that was just god-awful football. But at the same time, you walk away and you're not effective and you're not scoring points. So it's really hard to put your finger on exactly what it is um, in terms of, like, why are we so ineffective and, you know, how do you drop two to the Raiders in a year where, you know, it feels like if the Raiders didn't, you know, had any money, they would fire Josh, you know, they would fire Josh. So I think it's one of those years where it was just, you know, it's kind of more the same of what we've kind of seen this whole season. I want to put you into the scenario that the Broncos were in, and we're chatting with Tim Jenkins at T. Jenkins Elite. Put you into the scenario coming out of the two-minute warning. It's third and ten. The Broncos have the ball, and, of course, a decision needs to be made. You run the ball. You attempt to try to get the third and ten. But, of course, if you have an incompletion, you're going to give the ball back to the Raiders with a ton of time the Broncos, of course, we know what they ended up doing. What would you have done there? Yeah, I mean, I love that I have to, I get to answer it now, knowing everything versus having to answer it <laughs> in live time. I think the reality is, is you've got to just have a smarter play design, right? Like, I think if you go three by one there and you run kind of that where the three receivers all block and you bring that single guy across as a shallow runner and you hope that you catch him in off zone or man to man, like, that's something that I could live with because you know you're going to complete it. And, we have a shot to pick it up because we get a full-speed runner with three blockers in front. And then, worst-case scenario, right, it's a catch tackle and the clock is still running. So, to me, it's like those are those ones that are hard. I, I hate the idea of just straight run and giving up on it. 
but I do, but I'm not in love with the idea either of like, we're going to throw it to the sticks and we're going to hold on to the football and then scramble around and end up throwing it away. So to me, it's like, I, I would rather have seen something that comes out a little quicker, more of a perimeter screen type or a shallow screen type, and then live with the result. In the case of Melvin Gordon, now the Broncos waived him today, but at what point in the locker room is a guy's fumbles too much, and how much leeway do you give a guy who's fumbling the football or has a problem with that? How much support do you give him as a locker room, and then when's the point where you got to say enough's enough, we got to move on? Yeah, I think as a player, you're always supporting him, right, because that's your job. Your, your job is to support your fellow players and then see if you can go make a play. As a coach, you just kind of got to do what Hackett had to do, which it, the reality is is he probably got way more leeway because Javante Williams goes down, right? If Javante Williams doesn't go down, he probably doesn't get as many touches, and then the next fumble is probably like the, the backbreaker versus now where we're at. Um, and then I think the reality is is the Broncos probably feel like just his fumbles you know, throughout his time here has cost them, you know, maybe three or four football games you could make an argument about um, going back to last season, last season too. So I think that's probably where at some point you just got to cut him free. And I, and I don't think that's, you know, I, I think sometimes we get in these, these moods as a fan base where it's like, yeah, cut him loose. He's terrible. And, and I don't even think Melvin Gordon's terrible. I think it's good for everybody, right? You got to cut him loose because he can't keep putting the ball on, you know, you can't, there's no accountability if, if you're not cutting a guy like that who's arguably cost you X amount of football games. And then simultaneously it's best for Melvin because then he's going to go get to a new spot where there will be a fresh start. And I usually think that's, that's probably what's best for all parties. All right, last one I have for you. Always great, Tim. We really appreciate checking with you on Mondays to break down what the Broncos offense did. Uh, we were talking a little bit earlier about what's kind of next for this team. Now they're going to continue to play. they got seven games, right? Uh, you're going to play these out the best of your ability, playoffs or no, you're just going to keep playing. But for the Broncos, what, 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 would be a, what would be the next thing you want to see based on the growth we saw in this last game with getting uh, just some, some more layups out there? It feels like the next thing you need to see is just more points. It seems too simple to say something like that, so I'd love to know your perspective on it. Yeah, I think it's finishing drives, right? I think at the end of the day, finish the drives and then take the shot plays that are there. I think I would challenge Russ to say, listen, man, we had three or four shot plays that were there and we didn't throw them. We need to be aggressive and hunt with the football. And then ultimately they got to go in and beat Carolina. Like, I, I think, you know, it's one of those things that you do have to keep playing. But the, the Broncos cannot – the Broncos, especially after making the trade and giving a early first-round pick, there's no, like, tanking not, – not tanking, but there's no, like – hey, at least we get a better draft pick, right? Like, there's a lot of teams where you sit there, and if they lose as a fan, you can go, well, at least we get a better draft pick. They don't have that for the Broncos right now, right? Like, it's not like, oh, at least now we can pick it in the top ten. So they need to finish strong. I think if there's any hope that this thing gets better this offseason in terms of kind of the, the reports coming out of what, what the locker room's like, it's got to be, hey, we're going to make a run towards the end of the year. Potentially, you get yourself back in a wild card contention, although that kind of seems unlikely. But you make yourself a solid run. You know, you finish above 500 on the back half of the year, and then you can sit there and go, okay, this program now feels a lot better for when we get back into the building for perimeter school and OTAs and all that jazz. So to me, I think they've got to make a run. That's got to start with finishing these drives and then taking the shot plays that are there. 
I have talked about setting goals for the rest of the season for this offense. I mean, you, you're pretty much eliminated from the playoffs, if not mathematically and, you know, practically eliminated. Uh, and setting goals for this offense, getting Russ in a rhythm, developing guys like Dulcich, Brandon Johnson, Jalen Virgil. Uh, what else can they do down the stretch here in an effort to set the scene for next year? Yeah, so great. I think you could, uh, you know, from a nerd perspective, you could focus on your packages, right, in terms of, like, the kill package and alert package. You could say, hey, you know, Russ, we want to start to call into, you know, plays of the huddle, and we want to be above 90% in terms of getting to the right look. So those are kind of some of the, you know, tactical things you could do. I think the reality is kind of just what you said, which is build momentum for these guys, and then, you know, hopefully that leads them into a better place in the offseason when these guys get together to start working out again. Um, I mean, I think the bummer, right, is that, you know, we weren't all sitting at training camp talking to each other like, man, I can't wait to, you know, be talking late November, early December and, and feel like we're out of it, right? I think that's the real bummer and that's the challenge is you go from a place where you're like, man, I think you can compete with the, the chiefs of this conference, right, the chiefs and the bills and those kind of guys. That's, you know, kind of what it felt like during training camp when you watch these guys. It was exciting. And then now we're at the same spot where it's like, man, it's early December and we're going to start looking at draft prospects, right? I just think that's such a bummer. And that's what I think makes it so challenging to even discuss, right? The like, okay, hey, what are the, you know, moral victories we can have the rest of the season? Because you just, you know, the reality is you don't trade away two first-round picks signing out of $250 million for moral victories, right? Like that's just like the opposite of running a good business. And I think that's what's really hard about – um, the Broncos specifically, especially when you look towards, like, hey, these you know last seven games. Absolutely. Always great, my friend. We'll check in with you next week. Happy Thanksgiving. Appreciate all you do for us, man. Thank you. Happy, happy Thanksgiving. Thanks, fellas. All right. Tim Jenkins, at T. Jenkins Elite on Twitter. Make sure you check out his YouTube channel, All Things QB, where you can see him discussing Russell Wilson, Justin Fields, he does a lot of really cool breakdowns, so go check that out. I was thinking about that as he was sort of talking about the, the plans for the remainder of the season, for the offense, so on and so forth. And, man, I, I know that it's not like you wouldn't have loved to have him out there, and he absolutely would have contributed to helping you win games, but trading Bradley Chubb and at least having that first rounder this year, I mean, especially now when you have seven losses mm-hmm. and you're already thinking about, what can you add to this team to make them be back in the conversation as a contender? Uh, you certainly love having that first rounder. Whether you keep it there or you trade back and you split it up, uh, either way, just having that kind of value on the team. No, I agree. And I, I think that uh, I think it gives the fans something, too. Yeah. You know, I think the fans can say, well, you know, we don't have our first round, and that stinks because that's going to be a top 10 pick, right? But in the end, uh, you are going to get the Niners pick. Uh, that's still a first-rounder in the back part there of the first round. You, you're still going to probably have a pretty good offensive tackle fall in your lap there uh, and have the opportunity to do that and, and help shore up that offensive line. Maybe get a, a tackle to put right next to Quinn Minerts over there on the right-hand side and, uh, you know, and, and continue to shore up this offensive line, which is going to be the focus of this offseason. It is. And, and again, I think we're going to have some fun debates. Like I said, I'm, we're still in season. We're still going to talk about the games. But when we get to the offseason, I think we're going to have some fun debates on, on what exactly to do there, right? Because, mm-hmm. uh, listen, I, I can have uh, some points to make about running back mm-hmm. being a priority. Maybe not necessarily as a first-rounder, but I think you have to make a heavy investment in there. 
I, I, you're, you're not going to be able to give me any pushback this season when I talk about the importance of the run game. Because you've seen it firsthand about how the, how the Broncos are without a run game. Well, maybe Divine Zigbo comes along and puts those questions oh, to bed. You can't. You know, maybe he does. Are you really going to say maybe that? Maybe we have a divine revelation yeah, with, with, his, with his running ability. With the return of the Mac. And guess what? Divine Zigbo, Marlon Mack, and maybe Javante Williams. Maybe that's all you need. Yeah, Mike Boone's set to come back off the iron. Maybe Mike Boone makes a case for Mike himself. Mike Boone's finally. not on the roster. Next He's year gonna, he won't be. But No, he won't be on the roster at that point. But, uh, you know. You're just saying those things. I'm just trying to mess with you. You're just trying to mess with me. Yeah. I'm taking it. B. John Robinson hanging out there in the 20s. Oh, you know I'm interested. Not in the first round. We're not taking a running back in the first round. What do you mean we? We, as in the Denver Broncos, are not taking a running back in the first round. We, as in Broncos country tonight, are not advocating for taking a running back in the first round. I might. Because we are not, and and I I, I cannot stress this (laughs) word enough, idiots. Coming up later on 108.9 The Hater. <laughs> I, I might. Listen, I, I'm not projecting Javante Williams to do very much for this team early in the season at all. If at all. I, I'm, I'm, what I'm telling you is that we are not taking a running back in the first round. We're not going to advocate for taking a running back. There's, we don't, we, you know, I don't, Ryan, there's a, st- a whole station for, <laughs> for absolutely nut bar suggestions. You know, like, like putting Pat Sertan back as a punt returner or whatever whatever that nonsense was. Oh, I'm sure. The, the I, best part of that was like them asking it seriously at a presser and then having Dwayne Stukes just openly laugh at them and be like, yeah, that's what I need to do is put our franchise corner in harm's way by making a punt returner. Look what happened to uh, uh, the New York Giants Yeah, this week. They they did. Uh, is it uh, Dory? Yeah. yeah Dory, Dory Jackson. Jackson got hurt. Not great, Bob. We're live from Buffalo Wild Wings here in Aurora. Come on down and say hi to us. Havana Gardens, that's where we're at. We'll come back with our key takeaways from the Broncos game. We'll break it down from the plays next on Broncos Country Tonight, KOA. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Live from Buffalo Wild Wings. Touchdown, Denver! This is a special edition of Broncos Country Tonight. Presented by Betfred Sports. Never miss a bet with Betfred Sports. Now, Ryan Edwards and Benjamin Albright. On KOA, the official home of the Broncos. Broncos Country Tonight. Ryan Edwards, Benjamin Albright, live from Buffalo Wild Wings here in Aurora. Come on down, say hi to us, watching Monday Night Football. 303-713-8585 303-713-8585 is our phone number. 56690 is our KOA Centura Health text line. Thank you to Tim Jenkins for joining us earlier. Interview already up because Grant is the man at broncoscountrytonight.com. Make sure you check out, by the way, on the iHeartRadio app, wherever it's podcast, the Taking It For Granted podcast. Got a special Thanksgiving edition coming up uh, here for the Taking For Granted podcast, and you're not going to want to miss that. Again, Grant Smith does a tremendous job on our show, and we can't thank him enough. We'll get to our key takeaways here in just a couple minutes. For a couple texts, though, first here, uh, this one, <laughs> what was it, uh, from Cuban Benny. My grandma used to make me carrot cake all the time. Now Benjamin has me wondering if it was actually a Guantanamo-style punishment. 
Well, yes, it was. Very clearly, your grandmother was trying to punish you for something you'd done wrong. That's why she would make you character. That's not a reward. It absolutely is, and uh, I don't know what's wrong with Ben. I, really, I just don't. I don't know what's wrong with him. You say a lot of things, Ben. In this case... Yeah, I'm looking at the dessert menu here at Buffalo Wild Wings. You know what they don't have? Carrot cake, because it's nasty crap. And we they don't want it. should recommend that, it, It's nasty crap, and they don't, they don't want to foist that. Uh, this one, better days ahead for the Broncos, but I'm sad. Uh, uh, yeah, here we go. Better days ahead for the Broncos, but I'm sad to see Melvin go. But bros, would you even try an old-fashioned carrot cake donut? That could be a game changer. That sounds like there's a lot happening there. I like where your head's at. I, uh, I love the triple reference there, the triple BCT reference there. <laughs> but uh, incredible. Stuck to landing. Oof, you did. 9.9. Um, no, I don't think I would try a carrot donut. What, carrot cake donut? No. An old-fashioned carrot cake donut? You're Couldn't the one go. that's been like going on and on can't about old-fashions. Can't Can't. Well, yeah, just a regular old-fashioned. A regular sour cream donut. Okay. I mean, but but it might be. Donut, whatever. It might be delicious. You might, it, you, it might change your world, man. Maybe. I'll let them try it first and give me a recommendation. What do you mean them? What do you mean those what people? What do you mean them? Yeah. What do you right. mean those people? All right. Get come down here and say hi to us at Buffalo Wild Wings as we're uh, hanging out in Aurora on Havana Gardens. We'll get back to the text line. We have a lot of uh, cool text coming. Oh, this one real quick. Love watching Tim Jenkins' videos. Why don't the networks go with that live? It's not as if you're looking at ants. Oh, he's talking about the old 22. Yeah. He says, shows uh, everything without making it look as though you're sitting at the top of the stadium. Um, there are some games that have that alternate angle. Yes. Amazon Prime, I believe, does that. ESPN on the streams. There's not much demand for it because people prefer the broadcast angle. They've, they've tested this out. For some reason, the majority of viewers prefer the broadcast angle. Uh, but the all 22, especially college football games on the ESPN 3, you can watch all 22 with no announcer on it. I, I watch it all the time. Yeah. No, it, it's a, it is a cool thing. It, there's just a... It's a stylized thing, right? They're having the look down the line that they usually have. I, I, I don't know. It's just it's kind of the way they've been doing it. I, I don't know if everybody would like the big picture view, but I'm, I'm kind of with you on that, Gary, is that, I, that I certainly like watching the games a lot more like that. Uh, certainly we watch them. We watch them live from the press box, so it is much more like an all-22 view in some respects. But, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely gives you more perspective on what's happening. And I think, especially for Russell Wilson, as we watch some of these sacks he takes, you're, you're wondering, is that a coverage sack? Is that him not reading the play right? Uh, the All-22, you get a chance to see it. Yeah. Sometimes with the TV copy, you just see, because they're following the ball, you just see Russell Wilson scrambling around in the backfield mm -hmm. and then taking the sack, and you're like, okay, well, did he just not see his receivers, or were they all covered up? You just don't know from the TV copy. Right, and, and so that's the thing. It gives you a greater sense of what's going on, although you get a lot of guys that don't know what they're looking at there either. You get, uh, I get a lot of these screen grabs all the time, and they'll just yeah. point to some guy that's open in a screen grab. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. You don't know what the progression was, a pattern. You don't know any of that kind of stuff. And you're sitting here saying a guy was open, but it might, it might have been something they've already looked, or it might be a high-low read, and they've already come off that read. You know, see, the All-22, it's a blessing and a curse at the same time. All right, let's get to it. Our key takeaways for the Broncos' loss to the Las Vegas Raiders. And, Ben, I'm going to go ahead and start out here uh, with a good play. Quite a few bad plays in this game, but this was one of the good plays. And this was a completion to Kendall Hinton for what we thought initially was a touchdown. Let's hear the highlight, and we'll talk about it. Dulcich attached right, three receivers wide left on this second and eight. Gordon's back in the game. Wilson in the shotgun, five-man pressure. Wilson bounces around, floats one towards the side, and is caught. Hinton steps out of the tackle, inside the 15, inside the 10, to the pylon! 
Touchdown, Denver! 33 yards, Russell Wilson to Kendall Hinton. Hinton's first touchdown reception of the year. And with 6.33 left in the opening quarter, it is 6-0 Denver over Las Vegas. The replay showed that Kendall Hinton's left foot barely grazed out of bounds prior to the ball breaking the plane of the goal line, and thus the Broncos have a first down and goal, a football length inside the one-yard line. They would eventually punch that in with Latavius Murray, but it, it was another example where there were routes built in. They came on the blitz. They, they, they brought pressure to Russell Wilson, and he had to get rid of it in a flash. Something that this offense has not done a very good job of over the course of the season is build in these opportunities for Russell Wilson to get the ball out fast. And it's, it's a combination of the offensive line not always being able to hold up, they bring an extra rusher, and Russell Wilson not having options to get rid of the ball. I love the way that they built that in multiple times. And I'd say almost every time the Raiders brought extra guys, the Broncos at least had that answer for it. Yeah, and it, it's uh, you know looking at uh, you go back and looking at the tape. It, it was it was good to see Russ Wilson kind of flourishing. I think in the Russell Wilson offense, that's yes. what he's done outside of structure, finding the open guy, and uh, and making making somebody pay for bringing too many. All right, so the Broncos punch that in. A little bit later on, they get a Brandon McManus 48-yard field goal, and now it's the Raiders' turn. So my next play here is the first touchdown to Devontae Adams for 31 yards. High formation, Jacob Johnson, the 260-pound fullback in front of Josh Jacobs. Car under center on this first and 10 at the Denver 31. Play fake, Carr sets in the pocket. Looks deep, throws deep. He wants Adams, who is there. Adams in the end zone, touchdown Raiders. 31 yards on the strike. Derek Carr to Devontae Adams. For Adams, that's his ninth touchdown catch of the year. And for Carr, what a strike. Carr's 14th touchdown pass of the season. Combination of things happening there. First of all, the Broncos' pressure just really wasn't getting there. They, they really could not get Derek Carr off of his spot almost at all. And you said something earlier today when we were recording Broncos Country Tonight, the TV show. You almost thought the defense did a little bit better the first time around in some ways yeah. because they did get pressure on Derek Carr. He had to escape out of the pocket and run around. In this case, he didn't have to run around. He didn't have to scramble at all because he had a pocket almost the entire day. Yeah. So he's able to stand there, let a very long developing route go with Devontae Adams. You had pass Sertan and trail technique. In this case, and I, I was guilty of this as well, I thought initially this was Sertan getting beat. Yeah, he passed him off, but Kareem Jackson needed to be there. Well, I pointed this out yesterday right yeah. after the play because everybody was berating Pat Sertan up and down for that play. But you go look at that. Devontae Adams gave away what the play was going to be. With his split and his footwork, you could tell right off he was showing the deep over. He wasn't even trying to hide it. Pat Sertan was supposed to be in trail technique, take away everything underneath, and then accelerate. And then you're supposed to have a safety in the in the deep third to be able to take that away. It was Kareem Jackson. Jackson got caught peeking too far to the sideline, didn't have the recovery speed. And then Sertan and trail technique looks exposed there because Jackson wasn't where he was supposed to be touchdown Raiders. There's a few examples this year, but I think when we look back on it, we're going to be pretty excited to have Caden Stearns back there at safety next to Justin Simmons next year, I believe. 
Yeah, I, I think so too. I think you, you know PJ Locke and Caden Stearns have made a uh, a strong case to be the future of safety at the, uh, the for the Denver Broncos, and I think uh, I both those guys get up big roles with Justin Simmons in the next. Yeah, year. that's a tough one. But again, it starts there with the Broncos not being able to get pressure. Derek Carr was able to let that route develop, and that's what's going to happen when you're playing a team that that can throw the ball the way they can. All right, you're up next here. Well, let's get right to it. The fumble heard around the world where all the air went out of the stadium. Uh, let's, go, let's, let's just fire up the play call first. Sutton outside of Hinton, slot right. Brandon Johnson left with Dulcich attached left. They run it right. Melvin Gordon runs hard, fumbles the ball! And it's recovered by a Bronco at the seven. And you can hear the reaction here at Empower Field at Mile High. That is the fifth fumble of the season by Melvin Gordon. Yeah, it's absolutely, uh, and that's a reason that he's no longer a Denver Bronco. Melvin Gordon uh, uh, was 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 probably one of the more underrated Denver Broncos in terms of what he produced, in terms of production he brought to his team. But ultimately, fumbles, uh, uh, you know, cost him. He was a guy who never really uh, uh, the Broncos fans never really warmed up to. A because of the fumbles, B because initially he was in a battle with Philip Lindsay, a, fan, a local fan favorite. Uh, and then he was the guy that was taking care of from Javante Williams. Yep. And, and the fan base just never warmed up to him because he felt like an outsider. He was a rental from the Chargers. Uh, I wish him well. I thought he, I thought he did pretty well, but, uh, but that fumble was really the nail in the coffin there because this very next play, after taking seven off the board, this very next play is where we go. This ball on the Brandon McManus field goal attempt will be spotted about a yard inside the far hash at the 15. This attempt will be of 25 yards. Snap placement and the ball is blocked. The kick is blocked from 25 yards out. And you talk about a disappointing ending to a what had turned out to be a really good first half. Well, it certainly was. And yeah, so, well, you wanted to play that, so why don't you talk well, about that Well, I don't even play. want to talk about that. Go back to Let's go back to talking about Melvin Gordon. Okay, yeah, I wanted to say something about Melvin Gordon really quick, but that was just, uh, you know, I, I put it out there earlier on Twitter, that similar kind of thing you were talking about with how the fans never really warmed up to him, and you're right. A lot of the responses were they viewed him, a lot of fans viewed him as the guy taking away touches from who they thought should be RB1, whether it was Philip Lindsay or Javante Williams. He had some moments in social media, did some podcasts where he talked about fumbling and how he sort of expected to fumble sometimes. Uh, he had, you know, when, when he sort of clowned on people when he didn't show up for OTAs and he sent out a tweet about that. And I mean, he just, he, he again, it was the combination of taking away those touches from who the Broncos fans thought should be RB1 to a little bit of his personality kind of rubbing people the wrong way. And I think the combination of those things with the fumbles costing the Broncos games was just sort of too much for it. But I think you're right. I mean, there was, so again, 22 touchdowns. 22 touchdowns when your team has been one of the worst offenses over the last several years. Uh, even that one year, uh, the first year he got here, he had nine rushing touchdowns mm -hmm. in that year where Philip Lindsay had one. Right. So just a, another example. Now, Philip Lindsay didn't fumble the ball, but people will look at this and say, Melvin Gordon certainly could have done more, at least to a great shape, but I don't even know if he could have. Well, and that's the thing. Uh, you and I saw Melvin come out to Buffalo Wild Wings when we were out there on a Thursday night. It was the night uh, after the uh, uh, the week, excuse me, after the huge fumble that he had the last time around. Uh, we watched him get the Latavius Murray signing news in real time, uh, and and it was you felt for the guy. 
you know, you fell for him because he realized it was it was just kind of crashing in around him. I, I hope he gets a turnaround somewhere else. All right, now we're going to go to, well, your last play, and this was coming out of the two-minute warning. This, Yeah, this, this is inexcusable. You have got to, as a head football coach, you've got to prepare your quarterback, and you've got to reiterate to him that the number one thing he has to do here is keep the clock running. You, you, can't, you absolutely cannot break the sideline, get, get, head this thing over the huddle without that being the primary motivator. If that throw isn't there 100%, eat the football. Here's the play call. Third down and 10, normally, I, I mean, most obviously, third down and 10 is a passing situation. I, you have to run the ball here. You have to run the ball and let that clock run down. Let's see. Three receivers to the right side. Sutton by him left, left by himself left. Wilson tries to draw the Raiders off sides. And again, he tries to draw them off. Snap clock is at four. They're going to throw it. Wilson in the pocket. Wilson running around. Wilson throws the ball that is incomplete. Took seven seconds off the clock. Well, I, I got to tell you, I, I, I don't get it. And even if you're going to call a pass and you're flushed out of the pocket, I think you give yourself up there and the clock continues. And that literally cost or, or added about 30 some odd seconds to the clock for the Raiders. 30 some odd seconds, and that was that would have been the difference in a football game and how they went down there and scored. Uh, I, I just I just don't understand even conceiving of that. Uh, you know, I would I, if it's me, we're probably calling a QB draw there. Yeah. You know, if we're going to run something like that, we'll run four birds with a draw built into it on the backside. Have the running back as a lead blocker. Uh, anything. I don't even care if he runs around and kneels the ball. At that point in time, the yardage didn't matter. Nope. Scramble around a bunch and then just and then just fall. Yep. <laughs> you know, eat as yep. much time as possible. I did, I don't understand this at all. Absolutely poor coaching decision there and, and and poor decision by Russell Wilson not to just eat it. Yeah, it was a combination. No doubt about that. We can spend some more time talking about that in the next segment. I thought it was surprising. Uh, Coach Hackett seemingly throwing his quarterback under the bus saying we talked about it. He didn't execute it basically. Yeah. All right, final play and this is the one that uh, of course ended it. This is Derek Carr to Devontae Adams in overtime. First down at the Denver 35. We're in overtime. Tied at 16. Carr under center. Tight trips right. They fake the draw. Carr sets in the pocket, floats a ball, wide open. Devontae Adams, this game is over. Adams into the south end zone, touchdown Raiders. Bronco players, defensive players, laying down on the field, disrot with what has just happened. And you know what? I completely get it. Devastating loss for this football team. Busted coverage from the Broncos. Devontae Adams wide open here in the near corner of the end zone. Nobody within about 10 yards of him and walks in. Raiders down there celebrating like they won the Super Bowl. This is a big win for them. There's no doubt about it. Broncos players slamming their helmets on the field. Devastated. And then Raiders in overtime beat the Broncos 22 to 16. Yep, and I, that was for all intents and purposes, the final call. And the frustration was palpable from Broncos fans, from the Broncos players. And that is our key takeaways here as we break down the Broncos' loss to the Las Vegas Raiders 22-16. And, and on that play, I think we, we've appropriately sort of broken it down. Uh, it, it was just a, a tremendous route from Devontae Adams. 
It was a tremendous route. He hit, he hit him with the double move, and he ended up uh, running it out there to the corner, and there was just nobody over there. Justin Simmons had dropped sort of back into that deep middle of the field. Uh, that was Pastor Tan kind of probably, you know, it's just a great route. It's just a tremendous route from Devontae Adams, and there's lessons to be learned. I know some people are going to use this to pile on Pat Sertan, but I still believe in the player. I think he'll be just fine. Yeah, I think he will too, and I look forward to seeing his bounce back and then the chip that he plays with because of that play. I agree. I agree. All right, we'll continue breaking this thing down. There's a lot of layers to get to when we come back. Also, more of your reaction coming up next at 8.05. We are live from Buffalo Wild Wings here in, on Aurora in Aurora on Havana Gardens, Broncos Country Tonight, KOA. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.